Good morning, Maple Crest. <laughs> That's good. This morning uh, is actually a very special morning for Maple Crest Church, and uh, which means that uh, I'm a little disorganized because I feel like God was giving me things to say today and didn't give me as much time as typical to kind of get them in order. So. We'll see how it goes, but um, I'm going to start with the scripture. So if you could put the scripture, I think I've got one up there. Uh, second, second Chronicles 20, verse 17. There you go. So this is the verse of the morning. You will not need to fight in this battle. Stand firm. Hold your position and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf. O Judah and Jerusalem, do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed. Tomorrow... Go out against them, and the Lord will be with you. I love that verse. Yeah, You will not need to fight in this battle. Stand firm, hold your position, and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf. So, I mean, Jerusalem's sitting there looking at vast hordes coming against them. And uh, this is God's word to them. Um, to start, I want to talk a little bit about attributions. And uh, when you see something happening... An attribution is what you say uh, caused it, um, how you make sense of it, what happened. And so you attribute the reality, the result to something. Um, and unfortunately, people are, uh, one of the blind spots for people is attributions. People are terrible at attributions. Um, I think I've said that here before, uh, but I wanted to bring it up again because it's an important point. And uh, one of the main problems that we have with um, attributions is uh, we think we're accurate, first of all. We think we know what causes what, and, uh, but we're biased. And one of the main ways that we're biased, uh, one of the biases that people have is a self-serving bias. And so when, generally this means that when you see something positive happen in your life, you think it's you that did it. And when you see something negative that happens in your life, you think something else did it. It's that simple. It's self-serving. We attribute our successes to ourselves. We attribute uh, our failures to the situation or to something else. And this is particularly true in Canada because we're an individualistic society. It's less common to have this bias, or it's less severe, I should say, to have this bias in a collectivist culture. But so in a place like Canada, we would be worse. We would be doing this more. We would be blaming other people. And I want to tell you that when you make an attribution, it has a severe effect on the way that you act and on the way that you interact with the world. And I'll give you an example of how our attributions can work. This is my, kind of one of my favorite examples. When I was younger, uh, when I was in high school, uh, I bit into... Um, some chicken. I don't know if I should name the company because this is going online. But anyway, I'll, I won't name the company. Uh, it was, you know, a well-known company that makes chicken. And uh, the... Uh, I should figure out the rules around that stuff, but stuff. Anyway, but I don't know, so I'll just be careful. Anyway, so company. The company. Uh, and I was in the cafeteria, and I bit into this chicken. And I had, like, streams... We'll call it streams and rivers of, of blood coming down the sides of my mouth. And um, it's been a couple decades now, 
and I still avoid this company. Uh, that's how significant that kind of experience can be for a person. We are very connected to our gastrointestinal response, and uh, it can have a significant effect on our brain. Uh, people have showed there's a lot of nerve endings in our, in our stomachs and intestines. I don't know exactly how all that works, but uh, anyway, it makes a significant difference. So, um, I'll give you another example. Let's say that you get sick, and you're pretty sure it's food poisoning. And then what a person will do is they'll try to figure out they'll, they'll try to figure out the attribution that they should make. In other words, why am I sick? And they'll think through their day, and they'll think about, well, I had eggs, I also had that seafood, and I had that chicken. And then they'll think through different experiences that they had during that time, the, you know, the quality of the restaurant. I've always heard, you know, you judge a restaurant by its bathroom. So they're like, you know, you think about, well, what was the bathroom like in that restaurant? Or maybe, was that egg out on the counter, or like just sitting there under a hot lamp for a long time? Or, you know, like you just kind of start thinking about these things, right? And then you come to a conclusion in your brain. You come to a conclusion, I think it was the eggs. I think it was the eggs, right? You make an attribution. And then all of a sudden, you start to feel differently inside. Your, your stomach starts to agree with you. And it starts to, like, it lines up with your decision. And all of a sudden, when you go to that restaurant again, maybe you don't go to that restaurant again. Maybe it's just the thought of that restaurant starts to have an, a, a response inside of yourself, you know? And, or the thought of eggs. Maybe it goes to eggs, and it's like, maybe eggs are dangerous, you know? And I can't eat eggs anymore. And all of a sudden, your whole body lines up with a very just... I find that actually incredible. I mean, just think about this. People wonder if the psychosomatic stuff is real. You know, like, can you affect your body with your brain? I mean, this isn't even just something that happened to you. I mean, me just eating that chicken, that makes sense, right? Like, it just happened to me, bypassed the front of my brain. Like, I had this blood pouring down the front of my mouth, you know, like, eating this chicken. Yeah, I like, that's just, I didn't even have any effect on that. But then think about this example with the eggs, right? That makes sense. That's the front of my brain. Like, I'm making a decision. It wasn't the chicken, it was the eggs. And that decision in the front of my brain, now I walk past that restaurant and I have a gastrointestinal response. Isn't that amazing that you have a decision in the front of your brain that affects your stomach later in the day? Even without you thinking about it? And then, let's change it up. You meet a friend who was with you that day and they were sick too. But they weren't with you at the restaurant with the eggs. They were with you at the restaurant with the fish. And all of a sudden, your mind changes and your attribution changes. And you know what? Eggs aren't so bad anymore. It's the fish. And that decision in your brain, in the front of your brain, then changes your gastrointestinal response in relation to fish, maybe in general, or maybe fish in that restaurant. So our attributions matter. What we say causes what? makes a difference sometimes that we can't even control. You might be like, I want to eat the fish. I'm having, a, I'm having my like, wedding reception at this place now. You know, it's already scheduled. I want to eat the fish. It's already, I'm, every, everybody's eating fish. You know, I, I got to eat this fish at this place. But somehow I made this decision that it was the fish that made me sick and now I can't eat it. And that part of my wedding is now ruined. Because I made that attribution I can't even undo it. You can try to psych yourself out of it, but like you are connected with these decisions. So let's think about this. It's scary because 
people are terrible at attributions. We're biased in so many ways. It's a very interesting area of research because we're terrible at it, so we keep on finding these interesting results. People, and, and people think they're really good at it. That's what makes it so interesting. You think you're good at it. I know what causes what. That's, you're talking about the other guy. And we think we're good at it, and it's so connected with how we behave. What you think causes what changes how you act in the world. Uh, we had a meeting the other night, and after the meeting, a lively debate started up between, what was it, a Calvinist and an Arminian? Uh, you know, like there was a, a lively debate about whether God predetermines or whether God doesn't predetermine. What causes what? Do we cause it? Does God cause it? How in the world did we get here? In the last uh, week, uh, I've been, maybe even the last month, I've been kind of taking stock a little bit about Maplecrest. And this talk today is, uh, you know, a sermon in the sense that it's, you know, here to teach us something. And, and, but this is a little bit more of a Maplecrest uh, story sermon. It's a little bit more of a, of a talk about uh, where we are as a, as a church and where, uh, where we've come and where we're going. And I've been thinking about Maplecrest and how we got here. And sometimes it can feel um, we can attribute things to ourselves. And we think that we're in control of things and that good things were done by us or bad things were done by the other guy or it's all just a mess on how uh, it all came together. And we try to figure out where God fits into it. Um, but I have this feeling about Maplecrest, and I'm going to tell you a little bit more about why later, but I have this feeling about Maplecrest that where we are now in the story of Maplecrest and everything that's happened has less to do with any, about, and with any of us than we might think. It has less to do about people's decision that Maplecrest is their church. It has less to do about me and whether I woke up and remembered to bring everything in the morning, or whether, um, whether it was a good decision or a bad decision. In Acts 1, it says, And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, this is Acts 1.4. So while staying, they ordered them not to depart Jerusalem. This is Jesus ordering them, the disciples, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So basically, he's telling them, position yourselves and wait. Position yourselves. Don't leave Jerusalem. Follow my instructions and wait. Does that sound familiar? 2 Chronicles 20, I'll read it again. If you could put it up again. You will not need to fight this battle. Stand firm. Hold your position to the disciples. Stay in Jerusalem. And you will see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid, and do not be dismayed. Tomorrow, go out against them, and the Lord will be with you. 
The Lord doesn't change. And then it goes on to say, today's Pentecost, it goes on to say, in Acts 2, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Those disciples might have thought that they had planned to stay there. And in some ways, I do believe that they did. But I also know that the people who were sitting in that upper room had been planned by God before time to be sitting in that upper room. And the fire that came down on those people in that upper room was a fire that had been preordained to come down on the earth since the beginning and before time. Now, am I a Calvinist? Am I an Arminian? Am I even getting those words right? I'm not sure because I didn't plan on saying them, but I'm not going to answer that question because I think God's strong enough to do actually both. And that's a mystery of God. Can I tell you how we can have free will and he can know the future? Can I tell you how we can make decisions and how God can know the ending and plan for it? I don't know. But I believe that he can do both at the same time. I believe he can do both at the same time. I believe that he can make free will and predetermined events happen together. And if I limit God to what I can explain, I'm limiting God significantly. If I'm limiting God to what I can understand, he is a small God. And I also feel this is a scripture for us. As I think about the last year, I can see God's plan. Our church started services on September 9th, 2018. I believe it was two years after Natasha had a dream on September 9th about an angel giving us a church. Before the church began and after, we've had prophecies about this being a baby that's being born. And as we've come through the year, we've had prophecies about how this baby cannot be aborted, about how this baby needs to be taken care of in the womb, and about how God's fruition comes in nine months. We are now nine months since the beginning of Maple Crest. On the day, June 9th, we started on September 9th. It's happening on a Sunday. And it's Pentecost. It's Pentecost. Up, uh, a few weeks ago, we started working on the vision of Maple Crest, not on purpose. I was walked into the, ba- into the bedroom, and I said to Natasha in a kind of bit of emotion, I was like, Natasha, I just want everybody in our church to be a staff person, and I want this to be a ministry equipping center. And I want everybody out to go out and to do, mini- to do missions. And I want it to be like a staff meeting. 
It wasn't very eloquent, but it was heartfelt, something I was feeling in the moment. And she said to me, Cyrus, that sounds top-down. And I thought, oh. And I said, well, what if it's a ministry-equipping community? And the more I've thought about those words, the more it's fit with Maple Crest. It wasn't a planned vision meeting. It wasn't a brainstorm session. And the question of the vision of Maple Crest has dogged me all year. And I've avoided it, skirted it, tried to stick my head in the sand. And I said, our mission statement is the Bible. And I still believe that. But ministry equipping community seems to be a phrase that captures what we're looking for. And it seems to be a phrase that captures what happened on Pentecost. People can meet God anywhere, at any time. And I believe that actually most of the time when people meet God, they meet God on their own. At least that's what happens most of the time in the Bible. But when people are equipped for mission, when people receive the Holy Spirit, when they move forward, it often, and I would argue even usually, happens in community. We are not a seeker-friendly church. I don't apologize to people who are coming here and this is their first experience of Christianity. In fact, I kind of like that, the idea that this is their first experience. This was one of my favorite moments in missions, like since we came back to Canada from India. A new believer came up to me and said, Cyrus, we need to pray more for people in the church and less outside of the church. And I said, wow, I can tell that you were born as a Christian in Maplecrest and in the spirit room. Because that is the main and the plane of the church through history, is to pray for people in the church and not outside of the church. And I love that we are known and even being criticized for praying too much for people outside of the church. We are not a seeker-friendly church. But we are a ministry-equipping church. And I don't believe that that's because I'm particularly good at being a ministry equipper. I believe that that's because that's the DNA that God gave us. When I look at the people who have come to our church and stayed in our church over the last year, the people in this church are the kind of people that when you get around them and spend time with them, you become equipped. You become equipped by being with the people in this church. And I believe that it's my mission to make it so that you can be amongst each other in a way that you can be equipped even more. It's not top-down. So, our church started on September 9th, two years after a dream. Not expecting the church or even to have a church for most of those two years comes to us as a complete surprise, and on September 9th, it's born. I believe on the Jewish New Year. Nine months later, after many prophecies, we end up on today. Nine months later to the day, on June 9th, and it's Pentecost. Two weeks before Pentecost, I am given more of a vision for this church than I've ever received before. And the timing is such that today is the first day that I can actually announce it publicly. Because it was only a few days ago that I actually got a thumbs up 
and approval from leadership and from kind of a committee that we have that helps us to discern what's going on for the church. And it doesn't seem like, a, like an accident that it's nine months after to the day that I am actually able to proclaim from the front of the church the vision of the church. I'm able to name the church. I'm able to name the church on its birthday. I believe that today is Maplecrest's birthday. That means that September 9th was its conception day, which is a little bit awkward. We're going to have a sermon about sex this summer. We can talk more about that later. But it means that today is its birthday, and today is the day when it gets named. We had a name, Maplecrest, and we're keeping the name. But a name is a description of a person, especially a Christian name. When you get your Christian name, it's an identity. And today we are giving identity, more identity than I've ever given to it before, to Maplecrest, as a ministry-equipping community. An identity that informs every part of the church, including children's ministry. I want children's ministry to be a ministry-equipping community as its primary identity. Not its only identity, but as its primary name. And then I think about whether this is something that I've created. And it was humbling to realize that God had this church in mind well before I did. Two years before I did, pretty much. And it's humbling to think that everything we've done up until this point, even if we haven't done it perfectly, somehow God's able to work it out that we're in a place, we're on Pentecost, we're naming the church. And it's not because we're great. I think this is a great church. If I'm allowed to feel pride for the church, I do. If I'm not, then I don't, I guess, but... (laughs) (laughs) I feel proud of the people here. I'm excited to walk with the people here. But I also know that as good as we get, God's grace is just that. It's God's grace. And it's not because we're great that we get to be a part of God's plan. It's because he's good and he has so much mercy for us. All we need to do is stand and position ourselves. Now, one thing I want to say is that that doesn't mean that you get to be lazy. And this is an interesting reality that I think you could grapple with for a long time, and that is standing and positioning yourself is an active process. It's an active process. He's telling you, go where I tell you, do what I do, and maybe it'll feel like you actually made it happen, but I want you to realize that at the end of the story, it was mostly me. Maybe even more than all me, because I had to make up for some of your mistakes. You were an extra grace required. But I got you there in the end, and it's not because 
you were great, it was because you were trying. It's because you were sincere, not because you were perfect. With a little bit of you and a lot of me, I am going to position you for greatness. That is your destiny. You will not need to fight in this battle. Stand firm. Sin I'm going to add a word. Sincerely hold your position. Don't perfectly hold your position. Sincerely hold it. And see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid and do not be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them and the Lord will be with you. One thing that I've noticed in the last week is that when I compare where we were in September 9th and where we are today, we are in a completely different place. We have a core group of beautiful people who are motivated to reach the city through this calling, through this church. And as we go into summer, that's important because on the church calendar, the summer is a little bit of a dip. And I'm human. And so it was very good for me at this time to have an affirmation of our call as a church and to have an affirmation of commitment from our community. We're going to be doing things a little bit differently next year. The plan is that we're not going to be having the spirit room here. We're not going to be doing Saturdays like we have in the past. But we're actually going to be doing more than we have in the past in Spirit Room events. Spirit Room was made up of prophecy and healing appointments. It was made up of teaching in the afternoon and worship. We're going to be taking each of those elements and expanding them. We're going to be doing the prophecy and healing appointments here in the church. And that's because one thing we found is that the Spirit Room used to be quite good at reaching out to people beyond the church and now it's not doing that as much as it did in the past so we might as well just put it in the church so people can come into a community that's pre-existing and meet God there and it can be encouraging for them it's also easier for us we want to be a ministry equipping church and having prophecy and healing appointments here helps us to have a place to gain confidence in our mission we're going to be taking the teaching, the ministry equipping teaching that happened on Saturday afternoons, and we want to do it more in community. So less of a random audience and more of a committed group of people who are going through a series of teachings rather than just a one-off random teaching event. So we're going to be doing them on Thursday evenings. Every Thursday evening, give or take, throughout the year. And we're going to be going through different series. And the group of people that becomes equipped on those Thursday evenings will be from, catch, no, sorry, from, well, Catch the Fire, from Provence, from lots of churches, including Maple Crest. And as that community becomes more equipped, they will be able to go out under the banner of the Spirit Room to different events in the city and reach out. Because Spirit Room, as it stood, was not having people come from the outside community as much. So we're going to be planning events like psychic festivals, Earth Day, Pride. We're going to be trying to find events where we can position people to pray for people and love this city and love the people in the city. And we want to do it as a community, not a random bunch of people coming together on that day, shaking hands and praying, but as a community of people, intercessors praying around those events and people who feel equipped or almost equipped 
going out to those events with other believers so that they can be in community and debrief and feel safe and still do something that maybe pushes their boundaries and actually reach out to the people who need it the most. We want to have worship, and we're actually going to have a worship day. And we also want to have art, and we're going to have an art day, and we're going to put them together in the spring, and we're going to have a gallery, and we're going to have worship through the day with healing and prophecy appointments. And we believe the theme for this spring is going to be heaven. This year, we were more random. We were doing events here, we were doing events there. And people joined them, and it was a great year. But next year, we're going to be more focused on building a ministry-equipped community. And we're going to join together, and we're going to reach out to the community. Because I believe that's also a primary calling. We're not just equipping ministry so that we can pray for each other. We're equipping ourselves in ministry so that we can love Canada. We're Maplecrest. And our calling is to Canada. You will not need to fight in this battle. Stand firm, hold your position, and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid, do not be dismayed. Tomorrow you will go against them, and the Lord will be with you. So Maplecrest, stand with me, position ourselves as we go through the summer, and tomorrow we will go out and we will stand against them. You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. I believe that this is the beginning of the church. We can start the calendar again today. As a new group, as a committed group, let's pray. Lord, I pray that you would bless this family. I pray that you would hold us together, you would join us together. I pray that you would help us with all of our hearts to listen to our position, to hold our position in you and wait with full faith. It says do not be afraid and that means that it can be frightening. God doesn't give clear instructions usually like that unless it's required. We'd love to talk to us, Lord, and I pray, Lord, that we would be not afraid of the future that we would stand together in full faith and without fear for your Holy Spirit to come and equip us for your ministry. Fall on us, Lord. Fall on us, Lord, as a group. Amen.